Looking for a job isn't easy. It used to be that you could apply at a big name tech company and build a great career for yourself. But times have changed. Many of these companies have gone full woke. And if you aren't the right gender, ethnicity, you don't use pronouns, or if you're not an activist for the preferred cause, then good luck. Why would you risk your career on that? At Red Balloon, we're connecting good employees with top quality companies that value you for your skills and your work ethic, not your social activism score. Employers who post jobs on Red Balloon are focused on creating an enjoyable and productive work culture, free from divisive woke mandates. So if you want to find a serious career path without the nonsense, come to Red Balloon and post your resume today. Because you shouldn't have to choose between your job and your values. That's redballoon.work, where you can find your future. Oh, I'm getting used to this. I don't need knocks no more. Just kidding. <laughs> hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic, Pastor Toby. No Chuck Knocks. I almost said it. I almost said it. Um, the Water Boy. We also have uh, Megan Basham coming on yeah. to talk about all things SBC politics. You know, the SBC pastors, they're against politics. Like, they're no, against it. Are they? Yeah, they're against it, except for when it comes to the convention. Except, they, they, except they love, they love except, politics. Except it's when great. it comes to Rick Warren. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. I think it's just Rick Warren. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, I um, just want to remind you all that Grace Agenda 2023 is, 2023 is coming up. Good education in the Badlands. That's kind of where we live right now, the Badlands. But... Um, God, by God's grace, it should be goodest, pretty, pretty, goodest education in the Badlands. You know, kind of play on it a little bit. Nope, <laughs> I'm not in the marketing department. Gooder education. Yeah, gooder. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Bell. Take that as a suggestion for next year. Um, but praise be to God, there's actually a great reformation happening in Christian education, Christian homeschooling, Christian classical Christian schooling, even Christian colleges. And uh, Grace Agenda has uh, some of the top names in the classical Christian movement coming in to speak with Pastor Doug. Uh, this August, go to graceagenda.com uh, to sign up today. Registration was, I said this yesterday, is like pretty much full. Yeah. But um, if you can, if, if, if it's still open, it's open. So keep signing, you know, sign up now. Um, and I'm specifically told to tell you that all the talks will be posted on YouTube. Um, and so uh, consider donating. Uh, for the conference, the conference is, um, I think, free or virtually It's free, but they charge free. like $10 to sign up just to make sure you come yeah, to the for, conference. For, not- for like lunch or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah. But it's uh, graceagenda.com slash donate. Um, if, if you love what Grace Agenda is doing, if you're planning on watching all the talks when they come out, uh, give them something, thank them for, for all the work they're doing. Um, anyways, there you go. Yeah. Um, Megan Basham coming back on Cross Policy. We're always grateful to have her. She's a Claremont Lincoln Fellow whose writing has appeared in such outlets as the Wall Street Journal, First Things, National Review. Has she written for the Fight Left Feast magazine yet? No, she hasn't, but she's Why? on our list. She's Why have we list? not asked her to write for the Fight Left Feast magazine yet? Um, her award-winning writing and journalism focuses on subjects like marriage and family, religious, religious life, and the entertainment industry. Megan, thanks for coming back on Cross Politics. Thanks for having me. I love being here. I like to bring a little, you know, feminine energy to the show. So. <laughs> That's definitely what our show's lacking. Yep, is it's true. It is true. <laughs> a little feminine energy. Yeah, so yeah. we're really, really grateful. So you just came out with an article. Did it come out today at the American Reformer? or uh, a day It or- did, yeah. Okay. It came out today, this morning. Mr. Smith goes to the convention. 
I actually didn't even see the title at the beginning. I don't know if I skipped over it initially when I read it, and then I got to the end, saw your, the, you know, the, the reference to Mr. Smith, and then and then I then I saw the link, and I said, "Oh, I I see what she did there." Yeah, I see what she did there. <laughs> she, were you classically educated? <laughs> yes, yes, I was. Yeah, yeah there's movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Uh, so, so Megan, why did you decide to write this piece on on women pastors and Saddleback Church? Um, why, why is this story so important to you? Well, you know, to start out, I would say that I, I thought I was going to write like max, you know, 800 to a thousand words on kind of the debate that was going on within the SBC over women pastors. And then like at some point, a couple of weeks ago, when I was at 4,000 words in and thought, let this end, <laughs> how did I get into this like yeah. deep mire and part of it was because um, you just saw how the tentacles of this issue was touching so many other spaces. So, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of always a lot of internecine turf war going on within right. the SBC, but this was something much bigger. I mean, this got into questions of biblical fidelity, how these issues are decided, uh, you know, what kind of compromises we make for the culture. Right. And, uh, and so it just grew and grew. And that's kind of you know, how this story came about. Yeah. So you have, um, is it Pastor Webb? Was that, was that the man's name? Law. Uh, oh, Law. 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 Oh, sorry. Yeah. Law, yeah. yeah. So Mike Law was the main pastor who, yeah. um, and I had an interest in this, you know, as a Southern Baptist, I had an interest right. in, you are, you are um, Presbyterian? I don't want them to do this. <laughs> You're, What's you're, that? You aren't Presbyterian? <laughs> I'm not Presbyterian. <laughs> I mean, I still let me come on. I know. I know. <laughs> um, so but you're stealing all our good guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you noticed. Yep, yep. You, you, you noticed. Um, so, so Pastor Law is this um, pastor of a small SBC church. Is it right outside of DC, somewhere in Virginia? Right, right. And he, and you're kind of your article traces his attempts to try to. Um, work with the credentials committee and the process. Yeah, don't work, forget the process. With the, yeah, with yeah. The, work within the process. Yeah. Um, and, and just, I mean, I, it's, I know it's spelled out in detail, but I mean, just can you give us a snapshot of like, um, you, you talk about this. This centers on um, things of biblical fidelity. Um, mm -hmm. why, why? I mean, isn't there going to be a vote this summer? What's what's wrong with that? Why why is this not gonna why why are they sidestepping or how are they sidestepping um, biblical fidelity? So that was how that title came about. Um, Mr. Smith goes to the convention. So you know, Mike Law was this small uh, small church pastor in Arlington, Virginia, and he started a constitutional amendment. He proposed. Uh, last year at the convention, why don't we have a constitutional amendment? Because there's a lot of chaos and confusion over this issue of women in the pulpit. So here's an easy way to address it. And then we can hash it out and we can debate it on the floor. And kind of what I traced through the article was how that did not end up happening. Mm -hmm. Through a lot of um, backroom dealing, essentially the issue came down to celebrity pastor Rick Warren throwing his weight around, being given. Um, really sort of stunning uh, privilege that nobody, no, yeah. certainly a, a pastor of a small church in Virginia is not going to get right. to advocate for having women pastors. And so instead of having this very clear vote on should we, the Southern Baptist Convention, have women pastors or not, they, they kicked Rick Warren out, but they kicked him out for the purpose of allowing him to appeal. So what it looks like it's shaping up is that sort of laws amendment has been pushed by the wayside. And instead, we're going to have a vote on 
whether we like Rick Warren and want to keep Rick Warren in the Southern Baptist Convention. And that will set the precedent for whether or not we have women pastors in the SBC. Which is that's, that's it's just incredible. Yeah. No, when I, when I, when I, disgusting. when those dots got connected for me, because I yeah. think when, when they initially kicked him out, I don't know what most people thought, but we talked about it on the show. And we're like, good for them. And we thought, oh, maybe, maybe they're growing a backbone. And, and, yeah, but, right. but, but I mean, but what a, um, yeah, I mean, that certainly appears to be a very underhanded way to handle it rather than a straight up and down. Is this biblical? Is this, is this, is uh, women pastors is, biblical or not? Is, yeah. Or is, okay. is this what our, um, you know, uh, faith and message says or allows for or not to, do you like Rick Warren or not? Is, is, is Saddleback Church yeah, allowed or not? That just seems like a pretty underhanded way to handle it. Right. And look, it wasn't really hidden. I mean, people who can absolutely be forgiven who are not in the Southern Baptist Convention for going, hey, that's great that they did this. Right. Um, those of us who pay very close attention kind of knew immediately what was happening because the very same day they announced it, um, a member of the executive committee said, we did this in order to allow you to make your voice heard. So Saddleback's going to, I mean, same day, they said right. Saddleback's going to appeal and you'll be allowed to make your voice heard. Right. So, I mean, it was pretty clear from the get-go what was going on. So back to um, when when uh, Pastor uh, Law made um, his motion and then that kind of was, was I think, tabled or, you know, they were going to, they, they, they kicked it to the committee for the year or whatever. Um, it, was, it was the same meeting where um, suddenly... Um, Ed Litton, you know, gets a word that somebody special wants to talk and, and it's, 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 uh, former, you know, Saddleback Pastor Rick Warren wants to give a talk, which is kind of unheard of. Um, it's, it's all the same right. meeting, right? Same meeting. Right. All at the yeah. same meeting. And, um, which is funny because you can actually watch the video and you can see them start, they're just doing business. And then all of a sudden he's like, all right, I'm going to bring the chairman of such and such committee out to speak and then wait, no, shh, and there's a little, you know. <laughs> Yeah. conversation happening off to the side. And the next thing you know, he comes back to the podium and says, we're going to hear from this special guest. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people who attend these conventions. Um, I've never been to one of these conventions. Okay. So, you know, I don't have any really much interest in that. <laughs> um, but they all told me <laughs> that doesn't happen. Yeah. I, you know, they said, we've never seen that happen. Yeah. So this was very much, um, and, and then the speech was just, it went on and on. Like, you yeah. know, there's a hard, hard, break. You get three minutes to make a motion right? and that's it. So not only was it outside of procedure, he went way over like double the time that anyone else would be allowed to speak um, to just sort of make this grandstanding speech. Yeah. Um, and the whole reason he was there was because someone had referred a motion the year before saying, we think Saddleback should be disfellowship because they keep ordaining women. <laughs> they <laughs> and, can't stop. Yeah, that's not a part of our statement of faith. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, so he, they, they said, well, actually, we're not going to make a decision about Saddleback. It's been a year. We're not quite done thinking it over, but we do have Rick Warren here to make a speech. Wow. So that was kind of how that went. Neil, down. Neil, you got a, a clip of this. I hope it's not all six minutes. Cause I don't think I have patience for that, but um, do, you, do you have a few minutes? Here, here's a short bit of what he, what he said. I have no intention of defending myself. I have taught my kids and grandkids for years, I am most like Christ when I refuse to defend myself. Amen. The Bible says Jesus spoke not a word unto them when Pilate accused him of all kinds of things. So I have no intention 
Uh, I have most of you on my mailing list anyway, and I can write you and tell you what I believe about the gift of pastoring as opposite from the office of pastoring. But I'm not here to talk about that. Are we going to keep bickering over secondary issues? Or are we going to keep the main thing the main thing? We need to finish the task, and that will make God smile. Thank you, everybody. I love you. Oh. We, we missed the whole five minutes of him defending himself. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "He said I'm not going to defend myself, but... Yeah. And then goes on and defends himself. Yeah. Talks about... Uh, how many churches he's started or planted or associated with, right. with Saddleback. Didn't Talks he, about didn't all he the pastors he's, he's he trained. trained more pastors than all the yeah. other seminaries oh, combined. Yeah, over. he said, I've trained over a million pastors more than all the other seminaries combined. And yeah. kind of just goes on. And it's like, um, you know, Rick, just because they get your email doesn't mean you train them as a pastor. Right. We need to find our terms. By that, by that <laughs> yeah, standard, exactly. Cross Politics been training a lot of pastors, it, too. It's true. Uh, it's true. We, Hundreds. Uh, um Megan, he actually references here, you know, secondary issues, calls it secondary issues. But what, but what's kind of, you know, he, he also says, and I don't remember where you got this quote. You said, you know, people keep thinking, saying, you know, this is a, a harbinger of us going liberal. Um, right. But we're not going liberal at all. All the liberals left the SBC decades ago. You know, this is just us bickering over secondary issues. But in your article, you point out, actually, there's some pretty concerning um, trajectories going on with the current pastoral staff at Saddleback. What what are some of those concerns? And even before Rick Warren left. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, and that was kind of that was the moment in the middle of the night where I went, oh no, this article that was just supposed to be this little thing I was going to dash off turned into this big thing. Right. Because um, as I'm bopping around, it turns out, and that interview, by the way, was uh, with him and Russell Moore. He right. gave. A, a, a interview that was about Rick Warren reflects on his legacy. And a huge portion of that interview was devoted to Christianity Today and Russell Moore saying, look how awful everyone's being to Rick Warren and, you know, wanting to kick him out over women pastors. And he says, there's no liberals here. I'm not a liberal. Well, <laughs> then it turns out um, his church, Saddleback, has now brought in a ministry called Embracing the Journey. Um, this happened two years before Rick Warren left. So I, I'm going to assume it was not a surprise to Rick Warren. If you go to their website, at least this morning, just now, you will see a link to this ministry. So it was not a surprise to Saddleback that one of their pastors was doing this. Well, it's a ministry for parents of LGBTQ kids. And what it has is if, if you go to this ministry, you will find all kinds of really hard, openly affirming, hard left um, gay activists, people like mm. Matthew Vines, if right. you're mm. familiar with him, yes, uh, Justin Lee. Um, so a lot of people like that who are not, you know, these aren't people where you're having to read tea leaves to figure out where they stand. They are very openly militant gay activists who want to bring um, full LGBTQ inclusion into the church, and they're not shy about that. Yep. So this Embracing the Journey on their website, they recommend those kinds of people. Now, they're a little cagey. They don't actually say, here's what we believe about homosexuality, transgenderism. Is it sin? Is it not? They don't say either way. But the guy who founded that ministry sits on the board of another um, sort of gay activists, you know, within Christianity and ministry space. And that ministry does openly affirm. So it's the same guy. Yeah. So he's on the board of one. Yeah. He founded another. Mm -hmm. And they all do these conferences together. And so yep. anyway, the, the pastor at Saddleback, who was the care pastor who 
trains the lay counselors at Saddleback um, actually brought this to Saddleback because he has a transgender. I think it's a son, but I, you know, it, it's very hard when you you're trying confusing. to track the pronouns yeah, and they right, don't really yeah, say right, right. But a transgender child. Yeah. Right. Uh, who claims to be transgender, I'll say. Right. Um, and so he, that was when he brought it to Saddleback. And I know that at least as uh, recently as 2021, they had four um, groups who were meeting, four regular support groups and a small group revolving around this embracing the journey ministry. Wow. Wow. It's, it seems to me that seems to me that embracing the journey is kind of a gay name. <laughs> it is <laughs> and embracing apostasy is what is it should be going. <laughs> yeah, which, which, which way is this journey going? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I I have a hard time just thinking that all of a sudden Rick Warren's going liberal. It it seems like there's there's always a path that these guys go down, and you know what was going on in the in the you know early two thousands or what. Um, uh, you know, even when he wrote, uh, I mean, I don't even quite know where this question's really going towards, but even when he wrote A Purpose Driven Life, I mean, I just felt it was squishy then. Yeah. You know, and then mm-hmm. and then now, uh, I mean, he's been doing the woman pastor thing for a while. Um, and and then the LGBT thing, uh, he's never, every interview I've ever heard Rick Warren on, he's kind of clear, but he's not on yeah. that. You know, he's on a CNN and his con- the guy asked him, are homosexual um Christians going to heaven and and Rick's like well they do they believe in Jesus and he's like yeah then they're going to heaven you know um he he never talks about and condemns the sin uh and it's all wishy-washy but I don't know if you have anything really to contribute to this question Megan but you know what's the trajectory that you have you noticed a trajectory even before this with you know Saddleback and Rick Warren so you know I don't keep really close tabs on Rick Warren I don't you know he's not a pastor that I listen to a lot of messages from him or anything like that. So, you know, I, I don't have really deep knowledge of him, but, you know, certainly as somebody who partners pretty closely, I did do some reporting on Francis Collins and right. yes. what uh, Rick Warren had to say about, you know, the coronavirus and the COVID lockdowns. And he was 100% for the um, government narrative all the way, not just right. himself for it, but was out sort of peddling um, that all Christians need to be for lockdowns. They need to wear the masks. You're not very spiritual if you're not willing to do that. You don't love Jesus if you don't do that, all that stuff. Um, And then, of course, there's also been a lot of partnering with um, people like the World Economic Forum. He is pretty proud of that, actually. There's There's been a lot of partnering with the United Nations. So he is certainly someone who likes to move and shake and talk about his moving and shaking mm-hmm. with the very powerful uh, people of the world. So d- that to me, I don't know if you're going there as John the Baptist to speak to Herod, that would be one thing, right. but that's definitely not what he's doing um, well, when he, he also, goes to these events. Yeah. You also remember yeah. no, it, it, in, um, uh, uh, was it 2008 when Obama and McCain were running against each other? They went to Rick Warren's church and did kind of this pastoral roundtable with Rick Warren. Wow! And I remember uh, Rick asking um, uh, Obama, saying, "Hey, what's your view on same-sex marriage?" Yeah. And and Obama's response was, "That's above my pay grade." Okay. <laughs> okay. Do, you, do you remember that? Uh, and, and Rick Warren just right? Kind no, of, I absolutely remember yeah. that. Yeah. And he just kind of stood there yeah. and didn't push him or anything. Oh wow! Yeah, he didn't push back on that. And then you know, I mean, there's also been some things like. I, I got to check my notes on this, but there was some odd things like he kind of gave um, some sort of invocation or something alongside an imam and 
sort of acted like we're all spiritual leaders here t- together. And right. I, I can't remember. So I need to check my notes yeah. on that. But it was something in that vein yeah. that um, that you just went, I don't, I, you know, that doesn't seem right what yeah. you're doing there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just some stuff like that, that I went, this, yeah, this is not a guy speaking truth to power. He's there to you know, <laughs> rub elbows with power. Well, it seems like this, yeah, this, well, it's the same thing, even just with, you know, the work that you do in this article with the um, embracing the journey ministry of Saddleback and then doing all these other conferences and working closely with and all the resources they're recommending. Matthew it's like, Vines I mean, I mean stuff, yeah. clearly they're not speaking truth to power. I mean, if, if you're, if you keep getting invited back to the same conferences where you just sit standing side by side with people who openly embrace and advocate for normalizing sodomy and all the LGBT stuff in the church as normal Christian behavior, and you keep getting invited back to the stage, you're not speaking truth to power. Um, right, at all. Right. It, it seems, it seems uh, patently, obviously, obvious to me, just, I mean, just laughable for given all of this, that, that Rick Warren would say, we're not going liberal. I mean, it's just, just, just <laughs> a- absolutely yeah. laughable that no, like we've seen this play over and over and over again throughout the last hundred, 120 years, yeah. go back to, you know, uh, Gr- uh, Jay Gresham Machen in the early, uh, 1920s, 1920s yeah. calling the play in the mainline Presbyterian church where he got defrocked because he made such a big deal about liberalism. And then it was just them denying like the virgin birth and, and the historicity of the resurrection and the authority of scripture. But he, he saw it coming in the 1920s and, and, and made such a big deal about it. They, they, they kicked him out of the denomination, but then it just happened over and over again with, you know, it's, it's women in as elders, women as pastors, women as teachers. Mm -hmm. And then it's, you know, um, no fault divorce or not disciplining people for adultery or, or other sexual, maybe more normal sexual sins, but nevertheless sexual sins. Mm-hmm. And then you have it, you know, right down the line, LGBT. And, you know, first it's, well, we, you know, it, it just in the membership, as long as they're not open about it or flaunting it, we're working with them or ministering to them. And then, you know, eight, 10 years later, you've got your solemnization of a, you know, lesbian bishop or whatever. Right. I mean, we've seen, okay. <laughs> we've seen the play over and over and over again. And, and, I, and my question, Megan, is, I mean, just sort of more like zooming out more broadly, why is it that we are, I mean, why are we even having this conversation again with Rick saying, no, we're not going liberal when it's like, no, it's like Lucy with the football and, and Charlie Brown. No, this time, I promise, I promise we're, <laughs> we're not going liberal, right. but it's happened so many times. Uh, you know, wh- why broadly, why do you think we're in this position where we still can't see this play and we are this vulnerable to this play? And d- do you think it has anything to do? I know, you, you know, on the side, you, you're also you know doing work on um, some of the Me Too stuff in the church. Does that have anything to do with our vulnerability to this play? Yeah, I mean, look, th- I mean, those are both very big topics. But one of the reasons that I think it happens again and again is the church wins people. It brings people in, people start to listen to the teaching, and then you have powerful groups outside of it who go, oh gosh, we want access to those. You have wolves and you know shepherds are supposed to keep the wolves out, but that right. makes you mean. And that makes people write mean articles about you and say mean things. And you know who knows, back then it was pamphlets, today it's Twitter, yeah. but you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy who sort of has people say that you know, you, you're a jerk, you're not winsome, how, whatever the, you know, word, buzzword du jour is. 
So I think that's part of it. One is it's just the fear of man again and again and again. And wolves are going to always want access to the church. That's never going to change. And so I think, you know, that's certainly a big part of it is, like you said, we saw it in the 1920s. We saw, I mean, there were actual Marxists saying we're trying to infiltrate the churches (laughs) to get access to them and yeah, to try to change the language to say, uh, well, it'll be Marxist, but it'll be churchy Marxism and that'll be great. Um, And so I think that's part of it. And then also, I think these things are related. And there's this that I think, and I say this as a woman, there's a reason I think that we're not supposed to lead (laughs) because I do think that women shy away from some of the tough truths that need to be told that, um, that some of the tough confrontations that need to happen. And so women don't like that. And I don't like it really, which is probably why, you know, I do that sort of thing on paper because I don't (laughs) want to do that in person. (laughs) So I'll do that, you know, from my comfy living room, but I, I don't, I really don't like confrontation. Um, and that is the big part of leading churches, leading homes is sometimes you got to be the tough guy. Um, so I think that is part of it. And when you allow women to be the ones leading the conversation and leading the norms, what's comfortable, what is acceptable for us to talk about, I, <laughs> to use the, 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 the sort of teen parlance, I've seen some young guys throwing this around, they call it the longhouse, And it's this sense of having a very feminized culture. And I think again and again, you see that within the church is you see some men see that there's a problem. They step out to lead. You maybe go through a period where there's some robust, um, godly masculine leadership. And then you have women kind of coming along again and going, oh gosh, when men lead, it harms women and children. And it's kind of that same cycle again and again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. What do you think is going to happen at the convention this summer? Yeah. Man, I don't know. I mean, the cynical part of me is like, I think the die is probably cast here. Um, I think, I mean, you brought up what is the connection between these things? I can tell you this right now. um, There was a circus of sort of parading um, abuse. I'm going to say, you know, alleged abuse victims, because I don't know all their stories. And I know that a lot of this is political and a lot of it is performative. So, you know, they did that last year. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just so clownish and ugly to me the way they used the abuse issue as just sort of spectacle. Mm-hmm. And already we're seeing that set up again. So, I mean, there, there are people on social media right now saying we're raising money to get these abuse victims to the uh, convention to make their voices heard, which I, I go, what does that mean? Make their voices heard? Because if they're not messengers, they're not voting on anything. So it's just there to create sort of an emotional spectacle is my guess is what they're talking about rather than, and some emotional manipulation. So it rather than sort of a reasoned, um, uh, you know, calm conversation about what these reforms should look like. It's like this ratcheted up, like emotional cycle. So I expect that, and I think those things are going to be connected because you're already seeing them say, oh, you can't address abuse, but you guys will kick out Rick Warren right. for having right. women pastors. Right. 
And so you cannot say, oh, these things aren't connected. But then when it's convenient for you, say, actually, they're connected. Right. So, And you'll see some of those uh, church two activists, they're now openly saying that it is connected, that if you had more women at the table, right. if you had more women in power, this would not be an issue. Right. That's that's exactly what yeah. I've been seeing over and over again, is that's the play. And you referenced this even in the article, Megan, that you know, some people are trying to wiggle out you know, some kind of distinction, technical distinction between a senior minister and, you know, and then mm-hmm. other kinds of pastors. And, and it seems to me that, you know, maybe that's, um, you know, if, 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 you know, if the devil's clever, maybe they try to run a play like that at, at the convention where they kind of appease some people by technically still carving out a little tiny niche where, okay, that's for men for some vague, mysterious reason. We don't know exactly know why, but really, if you care about all the people in your church, you're going to have a lot of women on staff because, you know, men really aren't qualified to care for the hurt, the hurts and needs sheep. of women. Yeah, right. And they, you know, they step all over them and they abuse them. And it seems to me that that's, that is the play. And I think it's an emotional manipulative play. Um, and you're absolutely right. You know, when you started, this is a, this is a biblical fidelity issue and it's, you know, are you going to trust God's word? I mean, where are the people's, I mean, I mean, in one sense, who cares what the Baptist faith and message says? Yeah. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Right. And the Baptist faith and message actually backs this up. I mean, mean, I know the people who wrote it were intending to reflect biblical teaching, but at the end of the day, like really... What does God say about women in leadership? What does God say about homosexuality, the homosexuality yeah. and all these things? And and are we going to trust God's word, or are we going to be manipulated uh, by our you know, by you know uh, emotions and and feelings? But um, always appreciate hearing from you, Megan, and thank you for your work on this. This is a that was, this is a fantastic yeah. article. Mr. Me. Mr. Smith goes to the convention. This yeah. this article is in the AmericanReformer.org. Yeah. We know those guys. We yeah. like those guys. Share, uh, share and this is a, this is share a good it. article. It's a, it's a very long, detailed article with links and everything. Ma- Megan's making journalism great again. I yeah, mean, she is. You know, yeah. uh, Maggie, <laughs> make 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 journalism great again. <laughs> Thank you so much, Megan. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week. Till tomorrow. tomorrow. Knox, Knox will be back on the show yeah. tomorrow. Love God yeah. with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. Do you smell that? I hope you're not used to it. I'm talking about that vicious, eye-burning, skin-peeling smell that surrounds all of us. The smell of proxy wars with overtones of the parties and Hunter Biden's photos. Feminism, trans madness, faux pandemic, real panic. Climate tyranny, social media slavery, Epstein's suicide, fair elections with hints of brimstone charred oak, and the Pelosi's stock profits, all stewing in a Houston Planned Parenthood's dumpster in August. That is the smell of the thing we once called America, dead and composting. The postmortem on America isn't complicated. First founded by starving pilgrims and slaves, refugees and immigrants crying out to God for deliverance, this nation was pitched like a tent by men and women struggling in the mud and the dust who survived drought and depression and twice left home to bleed and die and save the world. Yes, there was hypocrisy, pietism, self-righteousness, injustice. But this land became strong despite it all by God's grace and by the sacrifice of farm boys crawling up foreign beaches and the sweat of their fathers, tilling soil and feeding beef. American boys tamed the sky and walked in space. We touched the world with our navy, our love of sports and stories, underdogs and barbecue. And now, 
we touch it all with our rot. The greatest nation in history has been laid low by one simple evil. Lies. The deadliest was the first, the lie that our greatness was our own doing, and so many more came after. The lies of secularism, moral neutrality, and self-fulfillment, of feminism and Marxism, the lies of the sexual revolution and evolution, pointless wars and taxation, inflation and a manipulated currency, the lies that lashed out at God, tearing away at our belief in beauty, goodness, and truth, the lies that sought to place our own lusts and the lusts of our masters on God's throne, lies to control, to placate, and to destroy. The storm of lies has reached hurricane force now. Whole states are being evacuated. The deception swirls so fast and furious that the liars don't even bother to hide it. Question, where do lies get their power? Answer, from the idiocy of the deceived. How many lies can a people believe before it's their own fault? One, two, 44,000. Lies lose all their power when the deceived become wise, when their minds are no longer easy to bridle and control, when they learn to think and can seek the truth through any fog, and when they learn to laugh at those lies, the winds will reverse, the fog will clear. Do not despair. These are the times we were given. We are the people God made for this moment. The faithful and the undeceived will rebuild in the ruins, and we will do it singing, feasting, loving, and laughing. We will plant again, and we will harvest 30, 60, and 100-fold. After all, composting empires make the richest soil. New St. Andrews College. Liberal arts for lovers of truth. Laughing at lies since 1994.